Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Donna Scott. He's so intentional. So personal. Who is wise, let him realize these things. Who is discerning, let him understand. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them. But the rebellious stumble. Just continue to focus on Him. God is revealing to us uh, just a, a real more defined identity as a house. It's so easy to let that word just kind of go by and become common, if you will, identity in God, our identity in God. But God is doing a work in His people around the globe. And he has full intentions of helping us to continue into the fullness. He does the work. It's a finished work. It's one of those great paradoxes in the word. It's a finished work, and yet we work. We work out of rest. It's the only thing in the New Testament it says we're to work for is to enter into rest. What a relief. Man, if you catch that revelation that it's a finished work, then you can take your place on your throne, seated in heavenly places with Him. How we need one another. spoke twice already today to a group of five churches, all Baptists. I call them Bapticostals because I know some of them are speaking in tongues. The whole subject for the whole retreat weekend was on wonder. The name of the retreat was the wonder of you. So the focus was on identifying with the wonder of you individually and the wonder of you, of God. So I had a distinct privilege. Thank you. Thank you very much. And it's my honor to be here tonight. So I'd be amiss if I didn't give some honor where honors do before I begin. With the mic. Without the mic. With the mic. Sorry. I was talking to somebody else about a Tom Cruise movie. Night and day. With me, without me. With me, without me. Do you remember that scene? Okay. Sorry. But my husband, Jeff Scott, 
I just want to give you some honor because I got the microphone and I can and it's our last night in the realtor's office. Jeff Scott, you're awesome, baby. Woo, we talking about you, man. <laughs> that man from Maine. God sent me a husband from Maine, Jim, because he knows no other kind of man could handle me, I think. It took a Mainer man to handle me. Praise God. I still honor all men, regardless of where you're from, okay? Just for the record, I'll just speak to the men for a few minutes, because, you know, I get the privilege to talk to the women all the time, and you don't really know what I say in private. So I don't really know what the men really think of me, but, you know, I'm always rallying for a stand-by-your-man kind of woman. I am. That's the kind of woman I am. And I'm not talking about Tammy Wynette stand-by-your-man. I'm talking about stand-by-your-man when he don't ever change. I'm talking about a woman that'll love him if he never changes. Come on. That's the kind of love we want. That's the kind of love we're called to be to our spouse. It really doesn't matter what they're going through, where they come from, how they see themselves, where they are in God. None of that matters. All that matters is love. I, I didn't really plan to say all that. I'm just saying. I don't, I'm not trying to console the men. I'm trying to help you to know what you got. So not in me, but in her. Amen. Amen. So, I talked to God a lot about you in preparation. I've had a long time to prepare for tonight. There's a lot in my heart. But God made it very clear to me something he wanted to say. And to be honest with you, it kind of freaked me out. It's a weighty word. And I knew that God wanted to say this. And, you know, sometimes when we hear from God, we don't mean to analyze, but we do. And just to make sure that I understood that God was saying, Donna, don't analyze. He had somebody prophesy to me tonight. Donna, don't analyze this. Just release the word. So that's what we're going to do. So pull out your Bibles for those of you that have them. We're going to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 5. Nehemiah, chapter 5. Who knows the story of Nehemiah? He's a contractor. Woohoo! Any contractors in the house? Who's a contractor? Raise your hand. George? Who else? George? Jim? Yes. Brother Cable. <laughs> God loves contractors. And I'm, I'm honestly telling you the truth. I was not trying to speak from Nehemiah because of my history in construction. It shocked me, to be honest with you. God showed up on my lanai, Colleen. He walked up and sat down at the table and spoke to me about you in the book of Nehemiah. So, in brief, in summary, chapter 5 is about Nehemiah dealing with oppression. The oppression was coming, in general, I'm speaking, because God's people were working towards a project and a goal and an assignment. Their identity was involved, and the formation of their identity was involved. And then there was some folks just not quite really measuring up to the right intent of the heart condition. And so, now, it's their own people. So there was schisms and oppression 
that came on the people of God by the people of God and by others. But nevertheless, God was talking to them and he wanted to give them a relief. And Nehemiah, we'll just read it. We're going to read for a few verses, but starting in verse 1. There was a great outcry of the people and their wives against their Jewish brethren, for there were those who said, We, our sons and our daughters, are many. Therefore, let us get grain that we may eat and live. There were also some who said, We have mortgaged our lands and vineyards and houses that we might buy grain because of the famine. There were also those who said, We have borrowed money for the king's tax and our lands and vineyards. Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children. And indeed we are forcing our sons and daughters to be slaves. And some of the daughters have been brought into slavery. It is not in our power to redeem them. This is not a message on sex trafficking just so everybody knows. It is not in our power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and vineyards. And I became very angry when I heard their outcry and their words. After serious thought, I rebuked the nobles and the rulers and said to them, Each of you is exacting usury from his brother. So I called a great assembly against them. And I said to them, according to our ability, we have redeemed our Jewish brethren who were sold to the nations. Now indeed, will you even sell your brethren? Or should they be sold to us? Then they were silenced and found nothing to say. Then I said, what you are doing is not good. Should you not walk in the fear of our God? Because of the reproach of the nations, our enemies... Basically, he said to him, look, uh, can't you like keep going in the process and let your heart and mind be consecrated enough so that you don't allow the enemies of God's people to reproach God's people? That's basically what he was saying. Where was I? Verse, verse 10. I also, with my brethren and my servants, am lending them money and grain. So Nehemiah was using his own money and sacrificing his own money to do what God had called him to do. And he said, please let us stop this usury, talking about taking advantage. Restore now to them, even this day, their lands, their vineyards, their olive groves, and their houses, also a hundredth of the money and the grain and new wine and oil that you have charged them. So he called for everything that the practice of wrong had taken from them to come back to them. Amen. I'm signing up for that. So they said, we will restore it and we'll require nothing from them. We will do as you say. Then I called the priest. And I required an oath from them. And they would do according to this promise. Verse 13. This is our scripture, sister. Then I shook out the fold of my garment 
and said, So may God shake out each man from his house and from his property who does not perform this promise. Even thus may he be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, And praised the Lord. Then the people did according to this promise. Praise God. Aren't you glad you're in this hour of the church age? I'm telling you now, that would have been a job. And plus it would have been, you know, before the church age. So grace and the whole expounding of time and the revealing of who God is and the fullness of who He is throughout the ages is a wonder, it's a mystery, it's glorious. I don't know if you've ever studied the ages. I'm not an expert, Pastor Gene, but I've studied enough of the ages to understand we got it better than any other time. Amen. That phrase, to shake the folds of your robe, it's also called shook the fold or shook the folds of my garment, or shook out my lap, or took off my sash. In other words, it's requiring action of change. In some interpretations, it says, yeah, I'm just going to empty out my pockets. I'm going to take whatever's in my pocket. Listen for your life. Listen for what God might be trying to say to you tonight. I'm talking about a process that we all go through. Thank God we get to do it together. I wouldn't even have made it this far without the people of God and my husband and my mama and my brothers. The act of shaking the fold is equivalent in the New Testament to shaking the dust. We know that phrase. And how many times have you heard people use that phrase? You know, somebody's going through something. Well, brother, you're going through something. Man, just shake the dust off. Just sh- how many times have we heard that as a form of trying to encourage somebody in their process? Or trying to console somebody in their pain or their trauma that they're trying to get over? But I just want to charge you tonight that I believe this house has stepped into a season of deeper change, deeper consecration, deeper shaking. We know the word says that he'll shake everything that can be shaken so that what cannot be shaken will remain. We heard tonight, even in, the, in what God was releasing in the praise and worship prophetically, spontaneously, that God is doing what none of us can do for ourselves. And and yet, at the same time, we're required to be accountable to each other. i got to be accountable to George. George is accountable to me. I'm accountable to Larry, Judy. Each of us are a family. This is our church, our home, our identification within the kingdom. So in that house comes processes just like in our personal life comes processes. I'm talking about our house tonight. 
And I want you to listen for what God might be trying to say to you. I don't know what he's talking to you about. I don't know what he wants to consecrate more. But we know that him and his ways, they, it's a consuming fire. So it's out of our design. We don't get to pick the process. We don't get to pick what this flaming sword that separates us from the tree of life and it requires us to go through that flaming sword over and over and over and over and over again. Trying our hearts, trying our motives, reshaping my mind, saving my mind, putting my mind in order, my God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So when we hear that phrase, shook the dust, it, it, it technically is a divine symbol of abandonment. It means for something to be abandoned. An idea, a dream God gave you. Okay, maybe you've never had to give up a dream God gave you. I, it, it's a mystery. You read books, you hear sermons, but I'm a living witness that God will produce your dream when you're willing to give it up. We're talking about shaking the fold of your garments, your priestly garments. We're talking about shaking the dust off of your life, off of the process that God has you in. And what he wants to do in you, through you, around you, in spite of you. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, shaking the fold of your garments, your priestly garments, shaking the dust. These are prophetic symbols of not just divine abandonment, but it is an act of extreme contempt. You can study it for yourself, okay? I'm not saying God's mad, okay? So, okay. Just breathe. Everything's good. We're safe. I'm talking about a divine fire that freaks us out. And what we might have to face with our lives. What we got to walk through, Lois, with that focus. Nobody knows the process I'm in, Jim. I don't know yours, but he does. He knows how to transform us. He knows how to take us from glory to glory, from one level of holiness to another one. He knows how to transform a man and a woman. He knows how to take an abuser and make him a godly father. He knows how to take an abuser and make her a godly mother. Ooh, do you feel him? I'm telling you, there's no challenge and there's no circumstance he can't transform. It's all about being in the right position and learning to hear and discern his ways. He's speaking tonight to our house about shaking the folds. Shaking the folds from our robes, from our priestly garments. Shaking the dust. What does shaking the dust mean to you? How does that apply to where you are? What is it that's in your heart? What is it you're restless about, frustrated about? Is anybody angry? Hello? I, you know, anger just doesn't bother me when people are angry. When they blow up or if, even if I have something that makes me frustrated, I've learned to go, okay, I didn't know that was there, so that means there's an indicator. Let me go deal with this with God. 
You know, anger should be something that we use to recognize just like a a dashboard on a car. We've got this book and all these symbols. I mean, they got all kinds of symbols now. Used to it just four or five. You got a whole computer dash. You look like you're in a cockpit of an airplane or something in some of these cars. But the symbols tell you what's going on that you can't see. They're indicators. We have to look for the indicators, Caleb. We have to learn to understand what's an indicator. When something happens and you think that's not of God, the process is to go to Him and deal with it. Separate the lies from the truth. Separate wounded places and places that still hurting Don from His healing balm that He wants to give to you in that moment. Amen? It gets a little... It makes me tremble. It makes me tremble. It gets a little weighty, some of the things the scriptures say about this process. You don't have to write these down. You can just listen. Just let it go into your spirit. But basically we're talking about a process that has to do with divine abandonment. A dramatic divine abandonment. Abandonment of, you know... What you think your calling is, or where you think you're going, or uh, I thought that brother was going to be in ministry with me, or uh, you know, I, I didn't see that car accident coming. Now they're not here. What am I going to do? It doesn't really matter what the circumstance or the depth of tragedy or trauma or waste that's tied to those circumstances. If we limit God, we limit our potential. And if we stop this process, we stop us having access to that supernatural power that transforms us from glory to glory. It's done in the secret place. And it's done together. Thanks be to God. When the Jews re-entered Jewish territory from pagan land, they shook heathen dust from off their feet. The apostles were to treat those who rejected them as though they were pagans. In Matthew chapter 10, 14, the ones that were cut away, the scriptures say, they were the ones who won't receive or hear my words. Mark chapter 6, I say it again. The ones that were cut away were the ones who won't receive nor hear my words as a testimony against them. What a paradox. In Acts 13, they were charged to cut away or shake off those who were against the apostles and the prophets. In Acts chapter 18, they were told to let the cutting away by the might and hand of God be done to those who opposed the apostles and blasphemed. And then it says, and your blood be upon your own heads. Who is God saying to you that he wants to either get you to let him cut away or he wants you to... Say okay 
to him cutting off whatever it is. It may not be a relationship. It could be. I don't want to speak too much into this area because I don't know what God's doing in you or the process you're in. Well, some of you I, I'm a little privileged to know. Some of those that are more intimate with me privately. But the point is, is that I don't want to influence how you're deciphering what God is saying. You should take this to God. Even now, you may have a witness of what this implies. Isaiah 26.10 says, The wicked find favor, he hath not learned righteousness. In a land of straightforwardness, he dealt perversely, and sees not the excellency of Jehovah. That's the Young's Living Translation. So basically, it's saying right there that, yeah, there can be a part of the people of God who actually don't acknowledge his majesty and his holiness and don't keep going in the right direction or they stop themselves in the process. It doesn't necessarily mean you'll be cut away from God. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you're limiting yourself. You're limiting your place, your identity, your fullness, the process that's still underway in you. A, a process that could redeem years. A process that could be altogether new, Tom. Altogether new about who you are and what God wants to do with you. Am I making sense? What Jesus did was make a way of access for us. We all get to choose. The grace of God makes more than enough room for all who come to receive and see and transform. Acts 26, 18 says, To open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. I've always heard this scripture in evangelism. But I'm using it in a different context. It still works. <laughs> so that they may receive forgiveness of sins. And here's the beauty. A place among those who are sanctified by faith. In me. In Jesus. I say it every time I get this microphone. One of my favorite scriptures. Hebrews chapter 10, it says, He perfected forever. It's a finished work. We're already perfected. We're already sanctified. We're already fully transformed in the heavenly places. We're, we're already there. Amen? Amen? But living it out in that communion, in that process of intimacy, building history with Him, that's what we're talking about. He perfected forever. Them that are being sanctified. What to do? What to do? Is get before Him. We're being asked to shake off. Actually, it's really not even our own action that he's wanting. He's wanting more of you. He's wanting more communion. He's wanting more intimacy. Okay, it's really not about what you're doing or not doing. You're hearing me, right? Yes. He's hungry for more of you. There's more he wants to reveal. There's more beauty. There's more transformational glory to encounter one-on-one. -on -one. Yes. 
If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, hate. Yes, even their own life. Hate their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. It's about growing closer with him. That's what I'm talking about tonight. I'm talking about a realm of glory that he's drawing us into intimately one-on-one and so that corporately we can take our full shape. You, You get the reward. It's not even about victory's vision. Don't misunderstand me. It's about knowing him, Sky. It's about standing before him one day naked and unashamed because you know him. You're clothed in his glory and his honor. Nothing hidden. Nothing not dealt with. I ain't talking about sins. I'm talking about attitudes. I'm talking about the way God wants to do it with your life that you don't want him to do it that way. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm so glad y'all my family. Woo! I don't know where he's going to send me to say this another time. <laughs> Y'all pray for me. That word hate, what time is it? 7.53, oh great. Okay, we're going to have some time for prayer and body ministry. Um, that word for hate, unless, if, okay, Luke 14.26, that's where I was. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother... Wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. That word hate, I have studied it over and over and over. It just really wrecked me that that's what God used. But it really does mean to make a better choice. The better choice leads to more transformation. It leads to more glory. It does not mean... That God is trying to cut away you having a relationship with your family. And it doesn't mean that whatever action you have to take in any particular season, that it's always going to be that way. You do miracles, you are great. Oftentimes the very thing that he requires for us to allow him to cut away is the very thing that he's working in to restore and it requires our partnership in that intimacy and in that place of union to co-labor with him to think like he thinks Don to speak like he speaks Barb to say what he's saying we can't hear or receive that from here the throne seated with him when we're Wrangling or wrestling or sinful or disobedient or just don't want the process. Maybe you've been convicted. Maybe I'm the only one. I don't think so. But God wants to deal with areas in our lives that we thought God was Lord in or God was doing His work His way in only to understand, oh, I thought I was doing this, and Jesus is over there going, go that way, Donna. (laughs) Hey, I'm eating this too. 
Amen. We're going to close with some body ministry time and pray over your situations. If you want prayer, we're here. And, you know, something else I want to say, too, about this is that, you know, we need to all always acknowledge that there's more. <laughs> you know, maybe you're not feeling conviction. Maybe you're not feeling like God wants to deal with something. Or maybe you're, even if you're confused or perplexed, you should come. If you're unsure even what you're, like, supposed to be doing with God, or if you want greater intimacy with Him, you should come. But don't feel like everybody should come. I just want you to feel free. That's who I am. That's the way I do it. God wants to do a fresh thing in each of us for our house flow. And the reward is you getting more of Him and Him getting more of you. More intimacy. More closeness, more healing, more wholeness, more understanding. Whoo, the power of understanding. Just, just understanding what God's doing is a mighty breakthrough in our lives sometimes. Nobody's watching you. If nobody comes, it's okay. We're still going to pray for you. Just focus right now, all right? Just ask the Lord, Lord. Am I really letting you have your way? Am I really where I need to be with you? Shaking the fold off of our robe, emptying out our pockets, so to speak, or shaking the dust. It requires an action. It requires courage. He's a consuming fire. He's beautiful and glorious and all of his ways are just and right and good. We're all unique, wonderfully made, custom work of art. While they're praying, those of you that remain, join me right now. Let's just uh, turn our focus towards the sand, towards Orlando what God's doing in the state of Florida. Let's just pray together corporately. If you'll stand with me, just lift your hands towards heaven. Acknowledge the Spirit of God. We want to be mindful of His presence. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just thank You for what You're doing in Orlando through this house's team and through others, God. You're preparing all of us as a state, as a nation. We declare and decree that Sarasota will be a stronghold for the kingdom. We declare and decree that the United States of America is one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. We pray, Lord, that your fire and the angels would be in operation even now. The word of God would come alive to all of those in Orlando, and every life would be lit on fire and sent out to your assigned place for them in the ordained steps you've marked for their life. All that is written in your book for every member. I bless you, Victory. I bless you. Mighty saints of God, I bless you in the name of Jesus. 
Go in his peace. Go in his wholeness. Go in the expectation of good. Go in the fullness. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.